Hello and welcome to Tigers by the Fire, a podcast out of Holy Cross High School about World War II discussions and stories. Today is episode six on the Battle of Stalingrad and the snipers in the Battle of Stalingrad. With me are Preston. Hello. And Braden. Hello. Uh, both of these guys have done a little research on the Battle of Stalingrad, but mostly uh, about the sniper battles that took place inside of it, uh, highlighting, I believe, Vasily Zaitsev, uh, the famous Russian sniper that a lot of Americans kind of know from the movie Enemy at the Gates, but a real person. Uh, the Battle of Stalingrad took place from August 1942 through February 1943. It's going to be looked at as a turning point of the war, but I'm going to let them kind of get into it, and then we'll discuss the battle as a whole and then kind of look at the snipers inside of it so preston so the battle of stalingrad was a battle and the city stalingrad uh stalingrad was located on the volga river which was an important important like geographical landmark for the nazis to capture on the eastern front and the volga would help provide if they did capture it a lifeline up into central russia uh to fuel the rest of the operation barbarossa going into russia so stuff that made the Battle of Stalingrad uh, unique compared to other battles, it was very uh, it was urban focused warfare, which in other parts of Eastern Front may not have been as proficient. Uh, the Luftwaffe, they uh, the German Air Force bombed the city and reduced it to rubble. So this made it especially like good for snipers because they could hide in the rubble and everything. And also another thing to point out about the Battle of Stalingrad was this was like Russia's last resort. As a quote from Zaistev, he said that for us, there was no land beyond the Volga, which is meaning this was their last stand. So they were throwing everything they had at the uh, incoming Germans to uh, stop them. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it, it eventually gets looked at as one of the turning points in the war in the East. And it culminates uh, in a in a Russian victory, obviously. Uh, but to that point, I, I think the way the war had gone at this point, it's over a year and a half old, a uh, year and a half long. The Russians have been being pushed back. And uh, the idea was if they lose the Volga, they lose the rest of the country. And so I think it becomes this really, you know, hinge moment in the war. And obviously the name Stalingrad, because it's where Stalin kind of made his name in the Russian Revolution. So it's a big, a big deal there. But uh, it, it ends up becoming this thing where both the Germans and the uh, Russians, or, or USSR rather, are just going to throw everything they have into this. And it's going to be kind of an all or nothing gamble for both sides. So, no, very good. Uh, Braden? Uh, a lot of people often focus on Zaistov, but a lot of people don't know that there were also women that involved a lot in the battle. One of the uh, women snipers was Tanya Sharnova. She was a Russian-American woman who went back to Russia, to Belarus, to warn her family about the war. Upon her arrival, she found out that um, her family had been uh, executed by the German party. So she joined the Soviet army to avenge her family. She would also go into the sniper training school under Zaistev, and from there she would uh, fight in Stalingrad and have around 24 confirmed kills. And she did not refer to killing these Germans as killing them, but as sticks. She would call it breaking sticks. And later on, she would be uh, wounded in the in the Battle of Stalingrad and taken out. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that 
women served in large quantities in the Russian army. I know we learned about that a little bit earlier in the year where you have pilot divisions, but then in particular snipers. I mean, we're talking quarter of a million women serving in the Red Army. And in Stalingrad, they a lot of them came in and they were able to sneak around in the cities kind of undercarriage using the sewer systems and the train systems and stuff like that to kind of sneak around. And yeah, they, they created that. Preston? Probably the most famous sniper out of the Russian and Soviet Union, Zaistev. Uh, he was he was brought up in a small rural town, rural town in the Urals, which most of these snipers were because they gained their shot from hunting in the Urals. And one thing interesting about uh, Zaistev before he even went to uh, he was not a sniper even like when he first arrived in Stalingrad, he was a sailor in the Pacific Fleet, and he was transferred to defend Stalingrad. So he was a regular, no one wanted to uh, take him because he was a bookkeeper in the Navy. And one day he made a good shot and they gave him a sniper rifle. And then he made a few good shots. And then like the first cool like story I read in this book was, this was right when he was like just becoming like a real sniper. He, uh, so the, there was always like a rivalry kind of in the U.S. Army, different branches. So it was Army versus Navy. There was an Army officer where he was like, uh, he was super arrogant and everything. He was like, oh, I can beat you in like a pistol duel. So they set up some bottles. And I think the officer hit maybe like one out of three. And one of them fell over. So the bottle was standing up. And now it's pointing at Zaistev with just the cap. And Zaistev hit the cap and then hit the next two bottles. And the officer awarded him his uh, pistol with his pistol holder. That was pretty cool. And that's like the that was right when he was becoming a sniper. And then after that, I think he was moved to a sniper unit. And he began teaching other people how to become snipers. And one thing that Zaistev did well that a lot of other snipers did was he was super, super patient. So he'd be in what they referred to as a hide. So this could be a blown-out tank, uh, rubble from a building, factories. And as Coach Arvita said, a lot of times these snipers would be he used the sewer systems a lot from going underground to one hide to another, and they could get supplies back and forth from the hide without being detected. And I believe one, he used a refinery for one that was like that. And so Zaistev, another story, it was one of his first people that he was in the uh, sniper school was they were watching the Germans dig a trench on whenever they're trying to take back the hills in Stalingrad. They're digging a trench uh, near one of the hills and they watched them dig the trench for hours, and the trainee wanted to, you know, take out uh, Germans, like, as quickly as possible, right when he had the shot. But he made him wait until one of the Germans was facing them, so whenever he shot, the shovel would fall outside of the trench. And this allowed the trainee not only to get one person, but whenever another German went to get the shovel that was outside of the trench, they got to shoot another one, if you want to add something. Yeah, no, uh, I, I think those stories are really neat, especially uh, when you start looking at the story of Zaitsev, where he isn't really formally trained, I guess, in a classic sense. Um, he wasn't by any means like career military in, in sniper brigades his whole life. You know, he's serving in the Navy, like you said, and then he gets transferred in. Um, one thing I also find interesting, too, with the Battle of Stalingrad, it was what the Germans did that created the whole scenario. Uh, because they bombed the city for, I think, a couple of weeks, and it creates all of that rubble, and that's what really kind of allows that. But 
Uh, no, that's some pretty cool stuff about Zaitsev. Yeah. What was the book you used, by the way? What's the name of the book? This is called The uh, Notes of a Russian Sniper, written by Vasily Zaitsev. This is like his personal memoir. It follows the Battle of Stalingrad and before battle. So like, I, I believe like halfway into the book, he gets into uh, his time at Stalingrad. And then he, uh, so Zaitsev, he got an eye injury and at Stalingrad from, uh, I believe, a mortar explosion. And shrapnel hit his eye, and he had one of the best doctors in like the Soviet army. He was uh, an eye doctor. I forget like the the name, but he uh, he fixed his eye, and he got transferred out of Stalingrad, and he became a captain after that. And then he got transferred back into the uh, into another battle. He fought one more battle, and but he survived the entire war. He he died in ninety one. So that was uh. That was, I forgot, I had one more. Well, so as you're kind of looking that one up, um, what do you think, oh, yeah. I guess, the idea of having a, you know, a thousand snipers in Stalingrad, what does that do to the morale of the German army during the battle? Yeah. And again, you guys can answer that however you want. Yeah, that was, so these, uh, these snipers would sit in one hide for days or weeks, and they could pick off people and you know Zeistev he was he um definitely was found a few times but they never let him get him and so Zeistev whenever he'd go to a new hide he'd have a notebook and they would sit he'd sit and you draw pictures of his surroundings and notebooks and it's they would wait for them the surroundings to change and that's when like they could see another hide being made or another sniper and they always had Baits, so they'd put uh, helmets on sticks. Have you seen in various World War II movies? They would wait for uh, a Nazi sniper to shoot at the uh, helmet on a stick, and once they did that, they could find out their location, the enemy sniper, and then take them out. And the morale that it put on the Germans, like the uh, when they're taken back the the hills, that are a very important part in Stalingrad. As you know, the Germans gained the hills, and then the uh, Russians towards like kind of the turning point gained the high ground again where they could see across the entire city to a direct artillery fire that like just that story that really messed with the other Germans because they had to stop building the trench because every single time someone stick their head out or it start moving again another person would get uh picked off so it definitely slowed down advances but I mean as in Stalingrad like some of the big actions in Stalingrad were like these big pushes but the downtime in between these big like just brute force pushes where like you have to stay inside you have you have to stay underground or you know so yeah it definitely took a toll on the morale of the soldiers like preston said like a lot of it a lot of the movement were these big pushes but they had a lot of downtime and that was really when russia could find themselves just slowly slowly holding down the German forces and being able to uh, come back with reinforcements so they could turn the war over. And these snipers really helped with slowing down the war because they had to operate in small units and many of the small units would go throughout the city and be just picked off one by one and then they would become scared to enter into the streets and out into the open. Yeah, and I think as a military force, after a while, that probably just really gets at the the average soldier. I know when you read about German accounts 
Uh, it talks about them being very fearful and them not wanting to, like you said, go outside during the day uh, because they're the, the fear of sniper fire. Um, I think that's always a, a big deal. Battle itself is one of the largest battles in all of human history, uh, especially if you look at casualties. And I think that's something to kind of consider talking in terms of like people there, it's over a million people on each side and the casualties, the Soviets lose 1.1 to 1.2 million, depending on the assessment. And the Germans lose close to 700 to 800,000 uh, soldiers. And I think that's a pretty crazy thing to think about. So why was this such a place where both sides decided to just stick it out? Uh, well, we could see with the aftermath of Stalingrad, it just completely throws the uh, Soviets into the offensive. But if Germany wins at Stalingrad, they cut off the Russians from their oil supply. And that's especially important in this war. As we know, oil means everything. We saw that with the uh, campaign in North Africa. That's what North Africa was completely fought over. And if they get across the Volga, if they take control, they control the entire Volga if they win uh, Stalingrad. And they can get up closer to Moscow. And it's it's not such a shipping lane, but it's definitely a Russian's lifeline to oil and to that Caucasus region where they get some supplies from. But the Stalingrad, when uh, a Russian victory, it completely throws the Eastern Front on into Russia's off, into their offensive all the way back to Berlin. The Germans are fighting backwards now, retreating all the way to Berlin from the point where Russia captures the uh, 40,000 40, soldiers. Mm-hmm. And it's also, uh, it's not the very first time. Is it the first time the Germans take a big loss like that? Well, yeah. Uh, in, actually, I think it's closer to 90,000 uh, prisoners um, in the encirclement. But it was the first time that they really lost and were wholesale surrounded. And it's also the first time that they're they're suffering from a shortage of supplies. They can't reinforce it. You know, Ma- Moscow and Leningrad, they were able to reinforce and slowly draw back. Here they get routed. And so that's a big difference. And like you said, it coincides with the North Africa campaign, which we talked about in a different podcast. And that one went poorly. And part of the same reason why it went poorly was because they lost the oil. Uh, the Germans couldn't put fuel in their planes. Um, and that, and Stalingrad, the planes didn't matter after a while because it was nothing but rubble. So I think that was good. And, and you bringing up the fact that it was protecting those southern oil fields, I think that's really important too. A lot of people don't realize how important that oil was because uh, if they get to those oil fields along the, the Caspian Sea, Black Sea, it could be very bad for for the Russians if they can't fuel the, the tanks that are going to end up routing the Germans. Um, what else do we have on Zaitsev? I know you had a couple other things. Uh, so Zaitsev, it's... Uh, his memoirs, the book, it's a great book. It's just uh, pretty much his day-to-day activities, um, him making hides, sitting in hides for a while, and then his training school as many of the uh, snipers in Stalingrad. As snipers in war, we love to romanticize them, but like the truth is it's not really – it wasn't the biggest thing. We saw it in uh, Finland, but they didn't have like – they didn't have a dedicated uh, like sniper divisions. They had very, they weren't as big. And during the Battle of Stalingrad, they they get bigger and bigger and bigger as they realize the importance of them, especially in the morale factor. So Zaistev, he takes uh, 
a lot of people. And pretty much what he does is he takes them for a few days and he sit, uh, they sit with him and they pretty much just watch what he does and he tells them how to do things. And one, I remember one, one time they were sitting in a blown out tank. That was one of the uh, popular hides. And they sat in the blown out tank for days on end, just like watching and they're calling back uh, just troop movements. That's a lot of what snipers do is just reconnaissance. And they sat in days, but the big thing is the getting the supplies to these hides. Like we said, uh, there a lot of the movements were underground, but whenever you're sitting in a blown out tank, you're not sitting on top of a basement or a gas line or water line or anything like that. So they were uh, sending pretty much just these like mail boys back to tell uh, to relay information and re- uh, get supplies. You know, they had to eat, and they had a few times where they ran out of ammo. And having, like, Nazis surround them, they couldn't get detected. And it was just, like, that was uh, a pretty big thing in Stalingrad where just running supplies, especially across the Volga. Yeah, no, getting supplies across the Volga was really difficult. Um, And then running them across there. And and snipers, people don't always realize, are not always used just to attack enemies, but like you said, to observe positions and relay them back. So that's that's really important. After the battle, he gets kind of taken out of combat. And more or less put into the, uh, I guess, the sniper school, yeah. I want to say. Um, why do you guys think they, they pulled him out of combat? One thing was propaganda. So actually at the end of the book, they have they were interviewing this guy during the battle. They had uh, heard of him back home. And that's one thing that the Russians absolutely lived off was, was propaganda. That was, they didn't, I mean, it's kind of how they won Stalingrad was just, there, as soon as these people got off the Volga, it's like if you lose this, you know you're going to be living under uh, Germany's rule. So they took him off, and he did interviews. They have an interview in here from just like the propaganda office, newspapers, and like I said, he he did get taken off originally from an eye injury. But whenever he was done at Stalingrad, he had 242 confirmed kills and. At least more than 10 of them were snipers, which is like the prize pretty much because that was the hardest uh, kill to get. And it also was the most effective other than killing a super high up general. It's killing a sniper or a machine gun position, allowing for the rest of the uh, rest of your army to advance. Yeah, and I, I think with the uh, propaganda, it's kind of interesting because he becomes the symbol of Russian resistance against the Germans. And they use that in their own newspapers the same way. And we haven't covered this in class yet, but the same way, um, yeah, Americans are going to use people, uh, especially at Guadalcanal. And the the trick <laughs> for the Russians, at least, they didn't want them to die. Uh, and the Germans did want them to die because then, then it would be a huge propaganda win for them. So I, I always find that kind of interesting that they take him off the lines. He ends up training snipers. And then Russian snipers become very important. But as Russia becomes more of an offensive army, they become less and less use because snipers are generally defensive or at least during stalemate times. So that, that's something uh, kind of interesting. Uh, Brayden, you got anything? Uh, yeah, I think that for them taking him out was uh, his eyesight being damaged and that the, as the Germans found out that he was out, they would always kind of think that he could be back in that war. That uh, him being out didn't mean that he was completely out of service because the Russians would do anything to help win, and if they ever needed it, they would put him back in. That, that, that was another big thing. The propaganda 
is huge for the uh, Russians. Yeah, and then for the rest of his life, I mean, he kind of he gets awarded this huge, you know, their equivalent of essentially the Silver Star Congressional Medal of Honor, and he is celebrated throughout much of his life. Um, in the fifties, he gets in a little political trouble, but then after that, he's he's pretty good and ends up, like you said, living uh, for a while. I mean, he lives lives to the age of seventy six, um, dying in nineteen ninety one. Right, actually right before the Soviet Union collapses, uh, which is crazy because he's obviously a Soviet Union guy. Um, so I guess what are, your, what are your final takeaways on the Battle of Stalingrad and the sniper, especially like a guy like Vasily Zaitsev after researching him a little bit? I think that if, um, without the Battle of Stalingrad, that the war would have had completely different turnout because, like we talked about, the Germans would have been able to get to that southern oil field and would have been able to keep on pushing into Russia, and eventually it would have changed the few turnout of the war. But the snipers in Stalingrad definitely helped, uh, definitely helped slow down these Germans in the city and helped them, like they said, when we, they were digging the trenches, it helped slow them down from digging those trenches. And we, the uh, Russians, were able to come up with reinforcements and be able to cut them off from supplies. The Battle of Stalingrad, it's one of the two most important battles on the Eastern Front, the other one being the Battle of Moscow. Uh, the Zaistev, really cool story. You don't get to see a lot of that. Uh, like, it had to be the perfect environment for him to thrive. You know, this war was fought Blitzkrieg, armor, who had the uh, air cover and everything. So, super cool. Uh, one cool story and the takeaway from like Battle of Stalingrad chain of command if the chain of command and German army was different you know they might have uh they might not have been thrown like back on the defensive so hard yeah uh, the, the chain of command was pretty bad especially with Hitler um, dictating to General Paulson that they couldn't retreat because uh, if they're allowed to retreat in January then they get out and they're able to do a defensive line instead of getting completely blitzed I guess by the Russians uh, but both of you guys hit the nail on the head. You know, without that battle, you know, it, let's say the, the Russians lose here and the Russians have to capitulate in some fashion. Uh, it's going to be very hard a year and a half from, from that point for the Allies to land in France if there are two million Russians in, in France that are two million uh, Germans. So I think that that's a good point. Very good job with that. Uh, any closing thoughts before we go? All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, guys, Mr. Prince. Preston, uh, great job. And this is Tigers by the Fire. Talk to you later.